everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of A Good Story Starts With. I have another guest with me today. Noah, how are you? I'm good, thank you, Wilma. How are you? I'm well. Um, so Noah and I first recorded this a couple of weeks ago, and then his um, interview didn't upload. So this is take two for the both of us. But how have you been since I last spoke to you? Um, I've been all right, thanks. I've been in lockdown, as everyone else is, and <laughs> uh, on holidays, so that's been refreshing, but yeah. Yeah, so like, um, what year are you in at, you, at high school again? Like, I forget. Yeah, year 11. Um, year 11! Yeah. Oh my goodness. Because in Australia, you guys only go up to year 12, yeah? Yeah, only up to year 12, so... This year and then one more year, and then I'm done. Are you excited? Nervous? I'm excited. I'm keen to to get it over and done with. <laughs> I don't like school, but you know, I'm keen. To get it. Oh, really? Like, in terms of like, what do you think? It's just boring, not engaging enough, or what? Um, I think that some of the content's fine. Mm. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I'm just not. I don't like school. I think that the, the system hasn't changed in years, and I think that it needs to to adapt mm-hmm. to the way that um, the way that jobs are currently being, I guess, how people are currently giving you jobs um, mm-hmm. and more real world situations. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's like you get like this, you get this ATAR at the end of your tour. For those of you who don't know, you get like it's a score out of like ninety nine point nine five. So basically, it's a score out of a hundred, and then you'll be placed on that, so you could get like a 77.5, but no one has the exact same ATAR in all of Victoria. Um, oh, wow. And then... That's really strange. Yeah. Sorry. Like, I've, I've never heard of this before because I, I didn't study, I didn't do my high schooling in Australia, so... But that's really bizarre. Of all, of all the students in Victoria, there's not one person who has the same ATAR? No. Like, people will say, yeah, I both get 77, but really there's a decimal point after that, so no one has the same, um, the exact same ATAR. Oh, okay. Sorry, I interrupted you. So, uh, you don't get the same ATAR, and then what happens after that? Um, yeah, so university courses require a certain a certain ATAR. So, like, if mm-hmm. I want to go to, like, teaching um, at Monash, it's around a 75. If I want mm-hmm. to double degree that with education and arts, then it's, like, an 82. Um I do the same course at Victorian University, and it's around a 50. So, Whoa. yeah. So there's a lot of, um, I don't know, I think there's a lot of pressure on students to perform well. Mm-hmm. But I think that the world is moving in such a way where possibly university degrees are being looked at less, like they're looking more experience. But it depends what you go into. Like if I go into, you know, some startup company, mm-hmm. um, I doubt they're going to ask for a Bachelor of Business. They're going to ask for, you know, whatever experience you have that will be valuable to them. Yeah. And I think that that's the way the world is moving. Where obviously Mm -hmm. some things will still require like a degree, like, you know, doctors. Like, yes, I want my doctor to have a very – I want them to be very knowledgeable and very smart. (laughs) Please go through the entire system, you know. Please Um, do. Please and thank you. Mm -hmm. But, you know, something like a Bachelor of Arts – I don't know, not to hate on the liberal arts or anything, but I think that a lot of the jobs don't require the degree. Um, yeah, fair enough. Like, so it sounds like you're interested in the education arts aspect of it. I'm 
I just want to go back to what you said of like at Monash, if you want to do that double degree, it's an 82. But if you go to Victoria University, the ATAR acceptance is lower. Like, does does that mean that like Monash is better in that regard? Or is it just that Victoria is more like open in who it allows? Like, what what does this all mean? Monash is more prestigious. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. so I think even in universities, there's still like some level of prestige. Like, like you go to Monash University, and the and the and the ATAR requirement will be higher again. Mm-hmm. It'll be around a ninety, probably, or something like that. Like, you know. So, to be honest, I don't know what the difference is. I've never been there. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe the different, I don't know, extracurricular like extracurricular things they have going on. Mm-hmm. I imagine that it'd probably be more. But, you know, at the end of the day, like at least I've asked teachers at my school and they say that, you know, there's a wide range. Some go to Deakin, some go to Vic University, some go to Monash. But at the end of the day, they all got the job. Yeah. So what they're looking for is the actual degree, not where you got it from. Mm, Fair enough. But I think that it puts an immense amount of pressure on uh, your levels and corps because everyone feels like they need to get to Monash. Mm. And that's something I've been struggling with like i don't know mm. for me if i if someone offered me a 78 on which is pretty average like you know um mm-hmm. i reckon i could get more if i go through year 12 right and mm-hmm. i apply myself i could get more than the 78 on but if someone mm-hmm. offered me 78 on to leave school right now i would take it oh I would okay take it and go get my degree wherever i can wow um, but i've asked others and they say i've asked them you know like, what would you take to leave school right now, and they're like, I take like a ninety. But I go to a school where, where parents and teachers all um, want their students to do really, really well. Like, there's a mm-hmm. lot of pressure on them. Um, but some of them don't even need the ninety. Some of them just want the nineties for ninety's sake. Like, I know someone who wants to go into nursing and could literally take a vet course and go into nursing like next year. You know, um, wow. but she wants that ninety-eight R for the sake of getting the ninety-eight R. Wow, that is a lot of pressure. Yeah, I've got a pressure to do well, um, but I don't know. It's like to me, if if I go into teaching, you know, if I go to big uni, like mm-hmm. that's that's okay. I think that's mm-hmm. something that I sorted out with myself because because before I was very much like, no, I want to get into Monash. But then I asked myself, like, okay, why do I want to get into Monash? Mm-hmm. Because if there's a name att- attached to it. Is it because I want to say that I've done well in my visa? Like, you know, because I care what other people think of me. Like, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, yeah. why do I want to go to this school instead of this school where I can get the same degree um, and possibly, um, yeah. I don't a better know. education? Like, Oh, I don't know if, it, if it's a better education. Mm-hmm. Um, I have heard that Vic Uni is more applied. Um, and, and to be fair, for like a trades even though teaching is not technically like classified as a trades, it's technically a trade though. Um, for trades based te- uh, skills like that or jobs like that, you, you kind of want a school that sends you out to actually do it mm-hmm. rather than focusing more on the research base of it. Cause I think Monash is very strong in it's like, Hey, let's do all this research, which is wonderful because that's how it gets its funding. But you kind of have to ask yourself and weigh yourself up and be like, do you want to be an education 
researcher or do you want to be an education teacher? Um, and once you weigh that up for yourself, I think you would be like, yeah, this is a decision for me. And at the end of the day, like you said, everybody ends up getting a degree and everybody's all, happy. All Bachelor of Educations um, and, sorry, Bachelor of Teachings, Masters of Education require mm-hmm. you to do placements. Um, mm-hmm. That's the government standard to become a teacher. You need to do your placements. Um, mm-hmm. But I've still heard that Vic Uni has more applied learning than um, Monash, which is interesting. So I don't know how that works mm-hmm. at the university yet. But, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I would I would take a seventy eight. I would leave school right now. Absolutely. Yeah, like well, you would you would leave school right now because of the pressure or because of something else? Because of the pressure, because of how much I don't know. Like I don't. If I could take a seventy eight and not go through the stress of year twelve, I would. Mm-hmm. Like that's mm-hmm. for me. That's an easy trade off. Wow. Um, you know, and I think that also, um, like I would have like. You know, I wouldn't even necessarily have to go into teaching next year. I could have a year of going mm. to uni you know, the same time as my peers. Mm. Um, obviously, it's all hypothetical because it's never mm. going to happen. But no, no one's ever going to offer me a 78 time. But, you know, mm. I could do whatever I want in that in that one year. You know, I, could, yeah. I, I would have the time to start a business or to, you know, do a podcast like you are or, you know, like yeah. whatever I want in that year. And because I'm young, I can do – I can take on a lot of risk. Right, mm-hmm. I can do something very risky because um, I don't have any I don't have any um, liabilities. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's so cool. Like, um, what you said before about taking risks is is if you could, right? Like hypothetically speaking, if you could take that year off, what would you do? Um, well, I've I've been thinking about starting um, content creation. Um, that's been something I've been thinking about recently. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have like I have a notepad, um, a digital notepad of ideas um, mm-hmm. and of topics that I would cover. And I've been looking. I've been I've been fascinated with the way that content is promoted. Um, mm-hmm. Like what I've seen a lot of recently is people will record podcasts like this one, mm-hmm. um, albeit in most of them in person. But I've still seen them digitally and work like that. Mm-hmm. Way. They'll record a podcast. And then what they'll do is they'll chop up that podcast into tiny little shorts, like one minute. Mm-hmm. Um, like take one minute of the podcast that was really, really good. And mm-hmm. then they post that up to another platform. So the podcast itself will be on YouTube and mm-hmm. Spotify. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the audio on Spotify, video on YouTube, the full video. Then you mm-hmm. can chop that into like 10 minutes, uh, around 10 minutes, post that on YouTube. But on TikTok, one-minute videos and less than that are what's, are what's really good. So mm-hmm. then they'll chop up one minute of it and post it on TikTok. Mm-hmm. And then on Instagram, it's around the five-minute mark that does pretty well. So around five-minute mm-hmm. mark. And they'll, just, they'll keep using the same piece of content and chop it up in different ways that fits for different platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then that way they're able to reach the broadest um, audience possible. Mm-hmm. On TikTok, there's something called organic growth. Mm-hmm. with LinkedIn so it's it's easier to get viewers on TikTok and on LinkedIn than it is on other platforms because the al- the way the algorithm works is that it will show people it, it will actually show people your content without them searching for it um, wow mm-hmm. um, which is especially helpful for people who are just beginning so that's been something that's fascinated me and something that I think I could apply apply my own content creation to but yeah I think I do content creation for a year Mm-hmm. Uh, if I, you know, if I post a video every day, 
Um, obviously, that's a lot of work, but you know, I'm at school nine hours. I could dedicate that nine hours easily to starting my own thing. So, yeah. And do you, do you have a, like an idea of what kind of content creation, like topic wise, that you want to do? Or it'd be um, like commentary um, mm. on things that I see happening in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, it'd be like, for example, I've written like a notepad um, on my ideas of integrity. Um, mm. What that looks like. Um, I've written a notepad on what I see going on in social media where there are a lot of people who are monetizing content that people, mm-hmm. they'll target a specific subgroup of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so say I'm going to um, target males in the 18 to 24 year old range. Mm-hmm. Um, and they ask themselves, what do they want to hear? Mm-hmm. Right? What, not what they need to hear. What do they want to hear? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And so then what they'll do is they'll start monetizing content that appeals to those people, that those people will click on because it's what they want to hear, not what they need to hear. People, mm. people, people like what they want to hear. Mm. They, don't, they don't like what they need to hear necessarily. Yeah. Um, and so then they'll start monetizing that content, essentially manipulating this, this subgroup of people um, for, for money. Mm. Um, and they can make a lot of money off of it. Mm. Um, and so it's things like that that I just – it's just, like, thoughts that I have. It's, like, I mm-hmm. see that going on. So I'm going to make a, like, 10-minute video about that. And I'm mm-hmm. like, um, integrity. Here are my thoughts on integrity. Um, these are, like, shower thoughts, per se. Yeah. And so then, you know, I post that. Um, yeah. Do you have, like – do you mind sharing some of those, like, like shower thoughts with Noah that you've thought about integrity or any other topic right now or – yeah, I can actually yeah. pull this up real quick. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Okay, so one of the ones I had on here's one on legacy. Mm-hmm. Um, so my shallow thought was that I'd rather live my life with nobody knowing me rather than a life where a lot of people know me. Mm-hmm. Um, so my thought was that when a celebrity passes away, right? Mm-hmm. Oftentimes you'll see people posting about it all over social media, mm-hmm. um, right? And then. You'll see a post for like what a day, maybe a week. Mm-hmm. That's it. You won't see any more posts after that. It's like, and then every single year when they when they, when they pass away comes around, maybe half of the people who initially posted will post again, right? Mm-hmm. But I think the main thing there is the reason why a lot of people are saying, you know, RIP such and such, or post a picture, fly high, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever it is, is because other people are doing it. It's not necessarily, yeah. you know, like nobody really knows them. Mm-hmm. Like, have you ever something to think about that? Like, I like a celebrity, but I like them for for their craft. Um, but I don't really know them, like mm-hmm. you know. So, but I'd rather live my life being known by very little people, where I can mm-hmm. have interactions like this, um, mm-hmm. and then I can and I can drop off golden nuggets. And to me, the what what would matter is if in you know when I pass away, do people rem- do, not even remember me. Do does someone remember something that I told them? You know, does mm-hmm. someone remember something um, like a piece of advice I gave, or um, you know, the way that I made them feel when I, you know, I gave them something? Like, does someone remember that act of generosity? Does someone remember that piece of advice I gave them? Mm-hmm. Um, not even remember me, because then what will happen is inevitably, if if what I did was had a, such a strong impact on them, they're more likely to go do that to someone else. And so then mm-hmm. yeah. the thing about not even my legacy, it's it's my it's my actions speaking for themselves. Um, it's, mm-hmm. it's 
yeah, it's it's that sort of legacy. So I'd rather live my life um, with very little people knowing me and me being able to focus on interactions such as this rather than being a celebrity and a lot of people mm-hmm. knowing me. But what is their lasting impact, you know? Um, I think that most celebrities, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't think I'd say that most celebrities have a lasting impact on the world. Wow. Yeah. yeah that's a very deep thought, Noah, um, and it sounds like you've actually thought quite deeply about this. How did you get to this point of being like, you know what, I'd rather be known deeply by few people than be known shallow, shallowly by f- five million people? Um, like, how did you get to that point? Like, why is that so important to you, to be known deeply? I don't know. I think it's once I saw – this is the person I talked to, and, mm-hmm. you know, and they're constantly asking me for, not constantly, they, they, they've asked me for advice a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we, we've become quite close friends over this um, to the point where, you know, they're not even asking me for advice anymore. We're just, we're just friends. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it's because sometimes we'll be having these conversations and they'll be like, oh, do you remember when you said this? And I'll be like, no. <laughs> I don't remember when I said, you know, and she'll be like, yeah, you said this. And um, this just stuck with me for a long time. And I'm like, oh, wow. Because you know? I don't I don't remember this. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't remember it. You're like, are you, are you sure it's me? Like, yeah. I, I don't remember this. Like, so what? I look back and I'm like, damn, that's that's great advice. I probably needed that right about now. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> you know, it's just like, and I think that just gave me the realization that, you know, I have a terrible memory. Do not ask me to remember something. I need oh, dude, join the club. Join the club. <laughs> but <laughs> this person remembered what I said better than I did. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's been like, it might have been like, what, three years I said something like three years ago and they still remember. It's like, how do you remember that? It's like, oh, because it's, yeah. because it's helped me, you know? Wow. And so then I think that lived experience um, gave me the realization, like, you know, I don't want to be known by a lot of people. I just want mm. what I have to say stick with a few people, mm-hmm. uh, and then hopefully they can share it with someone else. So. Yeah. Um, I know that you're a musician. Do you do you link that desire to be known deeply to your music in terms of, like, writing songs or um, writing pieces of music? And if so, like, how, what does that process look like for you from idea to musical output, whether it's a, um, a song or just like a piano piece? Um, so you're asking what the, what the process is like or how does yeah. it fall to the idea of leaving a legacy? Um, let's go with both, actually. We'll start with the process and then say, how does that fix your legacy? Um, well, I haven't posted a lot of my music that I make. I have a lot of files on my computer. I should post them. But um, mm-hmm. I haven't posted them. Um, but I think that the, for, the, for the process side of things, I think it starts with a lot of different things. It can start with, like, the feeling that I'm feeling in that moment. Um, mm-hmm. And somehow, you know, I guess, like, if you're a musician, you know how to translate that into music. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, other times it can start with me just fiddling around. And then I'm like, oh, yeah. you know, well, this sounds good. So I'm going to run with this idea. Um, yeah, I think those are probably the two main ways, you know, it either starts with a feeling or emotion. I mean, some people like, you know, start writing lyrics and then create a song that way. I've never been able to, I can't start Mm -hmm. lyrics um, backwards per se. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So that's going to be what the process looks like. And then, you know, obviously I go into um, my recording software and I, and I put it down and then I build on that, um, mm-hmm. on the foundation. Um, as to how it relates to legacy, I don't really think that I, I know. I know how music in general can create legacy, mm-hmm. um, but I'm not sure that I know. Like for myself personally, none of my music is out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I have like one video on Instagram, which is a very, very bad song. Um, mm-hmm. so don't go search that up but, okay. um, <laughs> quickly ghost <laughs> yeah. um, so then yeah I, I don't know how it relates to me personally but I know that music in general can leave mm-hmm. a legacy and I think it's that thing like you know a lot of these artists from say like from I don't know Queen like I like their music their music mm-hmm. makes me feel a certain way right mm-hmm. like Frank Sinatra like these people who have already who have already passed Mm-hmm. But I don't know them. Yeah. And so it goes back to that idea of, you know, their music leaves a legacy. Mm-hmm. Um, and their music is constantly, you know, making people feel this way or that way, you know? Like, how mm-hmm. many love songs have been written? Like, okay, how many times has Elvis Presley's um, Can't Help Falling in Love With You been played at weddings, you know? Like, to this day, that has still been played at weddings. So that there is a, that's a pretty monumental song. Um, mm-hmm. But how many people actually who play those songs actually know Elvis Presley? Yeah, not a lot. Yeah. yeah, and so then I think that his actions speak more than yeah, his actions speak more. His his music mm-hmm. more. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's wonderful. You you keep repeating that word of like actions speak louder then blank whatever you whatever you choose to say afterwards um why uh actions so it's coming across as like actions are actually quite important to you like you're really much like hey i'd rather be known as the person who does this rather than say like oh i just i just say all these things um why is that like why why do you choose actions above for example, words or just... Okay, I don't think actions are better than words, per se, because mm-hmm. words are still very powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I would say is that actions are better than, like, fame or whatever. I, I, don't, I don't quite know how to, how to put it, but I know that... Mm-hmm. I know that people often forget celebrities, like, very quickly after they pass. You know, mm-hmm. I go back to that thing, like, a day they'll post and then they just mm-hmm. post about it again. So what lasting impact did they really leave? Like how mm-hmm. people actually knew them, rather than mm-hmm. what they what they did. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I I think that well, I know I know for a fact that actions are important, but I don't know better than what. I think that right. I think maybe better than fame, better than being known. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but actions are definitely not better than words because words, mm-hmm. like, like you know, those pieces of advice that I gave that one person that stuck with them, those were communicated mm-hmm. with words. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Are there any? like people or musicians that you say like man i i was so impacted by them like they they two questions are there any musicians that you say man i was so impacted by them or musicians or other people that you're like man i would have loved to have known them or would love to know them i would say for for musicians Mm -hmm. um i think worship leaders like um, Stephanie Gretzinger, who I like, I grew up listening to. Not really grew up listening to, but I found her content at a very young age, and I found her videos along with mm-hmm. um, what's his name, 
the other one that always sung, sings with her, that always sung with her in Bethel. Um, Jeremy Riddle. Jeremy Riddle, that's it. Exactly. <laughs> um, Jeremy Riddle and Stephanie Gretzing, you know, they were always putting out, like, they were always the face of Bethel for a very, very mm-hmm. long time. Which, you know, yeah. probably not a good thing that they were the face of Bethel, but um, they were very impactful worship leaders mm-hmm. uh, who I listened to a lot, or who I took a lot away from. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way that they carry themselves um, and the way that they worship led, um, mm-hmm. that's been very impactful for me. Mm-hmm. Um, more recent ones include, include people like Dante Bowie, uh, Brandon Lake, mm-hmm. um, probably more so like the Maverick City side of things, so Chandler Moore. Those are yeah. the recent uh, worship leaders that I that I look up to. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I'd say those are sort of the musicians. I think they're mostly worship people um yeah that's really cool like i i also like grew up listening to stephanie gretzinger and jeremy riddle mm-hmm. i really admired their um not only their passion for god but their integrity to live lives that are holy um because i think worship leaders in particular just end up carrying something of the presence of God that's not necessarily carried by pastors or um, other preachers, for example. Like there's something about them that you're like, oh man, like they've entered the presence of God with their song or with their dance or with their instrumental. Um, And yeah, like I I definitely agree with you. Do you have like um, experiences or like moments that you – when you were listening to either of those worship leaders that you've met that you've been like, whoa, wow, I just, I just, I'm amazed. Well, when I first saw the Maverick City songs, um, it mm. was so, like, obviously they took a lot of inspiration from gospel music um, mm-hmm. and things that have been happening within the black community for a long time, mm-hmm. um, music-wise. Um, but then they also mix that with contempor- Christian contemporary music Mm-hmm. Um, and sort of all these, yeah, I don't know. It, and some, some even like, um, Latin American music. I can, I can hear mm-hmm. that in there as well. Um, because mm-hmm. the play is Latin American. And so his style of playing, um, I see is very heavily influenced, influenced by like bossa nova, um, mm-hmm. yeah. and samba. Um, that's, that's what I hear in his piano playing. Um, mm-hmm. I completely forgot the original question, but I just went on a tangent <laughs> about that. Um, that's all right continue on your tangent but um uh, i think the question was like specifically what do they what do they uh what do you what, what do they teach me yeah so basically i asked like are there any experiences or moments when you were listening to any of those worship music and yeah. any of those worship musicians um that you thought man like i'm so moved whether it's like i'm so moved by the beauty of how uh, artistically they created a piece of the song or whether or not you're moved into the presence of God. So whichever way you want to yeah. answer that question. Yeah, short-term memory loss. but um, It's okay. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I would say the way that, that he plays has influenced the way that I am trying to play now. Um, mm-hmm. I would also say um, just the way that they structured worship, per se, as mm-hmm. it wasn't like how we generally see corporate worship how it's just, you know, all in rows and then... Um, karaoke sing-back. Yeah, karaoke sing-back. People on the stage, people on the on the floor. Um, mm. I would say that they maybe not popularised. Mm. Um, like, obviously, that sort of 
they made it. They made it more normal. Okay, I'll, I'll say that they made it more normal. Here's why: because mm. whenever like that, that sort of circle, like everyone's on the ground, like that sort of communal thing, has been attributed to acoustic worship in the past. Mm-hmm. Like, we're gonna have an acoustic worship night, or we're just gonna have a worship night, and then they'll bring out, you know, like that the, the djembe. They'll bring out like the acoustic guitar, and then they'll stand in the circle. Right, mm-hmm. rather than just standing in a circle because it's a good idea on a Sunday morning, you know. And so yeah. then I think that they popularized it, normalized it. I don't know. I would say that yeah. they, you know, they just keep putting out content that is that is that is in that in that structure. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, what about that structure is um, is is great is good. I think it's because everyone's on an even playing field. Um, mm-hmm. Even though, I mean, you could argue that because the worship leaders and the musicians are in the middle, that they're like the focus and all their attention is on them. But I think it's less, I think it's less like that than someone being on a stage, being elevated over everyone else. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I agree with you. I think something happens when the band literally steps down from the platform and starts singing with the congregation and leading the congregation within itself. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I know I speak for the both of us when we've had worship nights at follow um, when we could meet, um, it was really great uh, yeah. and really wonderful. And you could sense like a different, like a different uh, tenor, a different taste in, in the air, um, which was really, really great. Uh, but yeah, I miss those days. Yeah. Yeah. How how have you been dealing with the lockdown in terms of like you you guys are in Zoom for a long period of time at school, then like church is also Zoom and like everything is now very much black screen staring back at you, black mirror type vibes going on in the world. Yeah. Um how have I been coping? I don't know. Mm. I don't know if I've I know I know I have been coping. I don't know how. Mm-hmm. I think I'd attribute it to be to being fortunate enough to live in a household where I'm not, you know, pressed by domestic violence. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not in a environment that's that's full of toxicity. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm very fortunate to be, you know, in a in a nice environment um, with good people surrounding me, in a nice enough in in a nice home, you know, mm-hmm. the actual physical space around me. There's a lot mm-hmm. of space to be distant from people and be close to people when needed. Mm-hmm. You know, okay. I think that that's. I think everyone, even I think even extroverts need that. Where you know you can't constantly be around people. Like you also need space. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas some people during lockdown don't have the same um, privileges. They don't have the same. Um, yeah, they don't have the same situation where you know mm-hmm. they may be in. Uh, I don't know, they may be sharing a living, a very small living space with a large amount of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then finding that distance can be hard and mentally um, mm-hmm. draining. Um, similarly, they may be in an environment that, you know, maybe you're even in a big house, but then you're full of, the, like that big house is surrounded by, by toxic um, people and, you know, toxicity and things that you don't want to be surrounded with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then that environment becomes very draining and very hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I am fortunate, uh, fortunate enough not to suffer from, not, not to have either of those things. So that, I say that's what I attribute to me being able to get through lockdown is, is me being surrounded by good people. Um, good yeah. Time. That's really awesome. Like, it's really great that your parents are 
yeah, that, that your parents, I just assumed it was your parents that you live with. You could live with like more yeah. like extended family. Um, but that your parents have created this environment that you're like, man, like we can just chill and relax in this. Um, I know that you're the eldest of four, is it? Four, including myself, yeah. So sure. Yeah, yeah, you're the eldest of four. Um, how how has that been? Live like because I know that your siblings are a little bit younger than you. How has that been during lockdown? Have they been okay and stuff? Um, I think that. Emma, the youngest, uh, has been mm. used to, <laughs> like, you know, one moment they're back. I mean, now she's used to being in, like, stuck at home most of the day. Um, but then when we first got in, I think she, she might have been a bit confused about, mm. you know, what's going on, why we're we doing this again. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they, don't, they don't understand. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the other two are pretty uh, old enough to sort of get a grasp of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel sorry for them. Because mm. they're not able to see friends face to face. Yeah, um, they're not able to, you know, enjoy um, school. You know, like being able to mm. actually go out and enjoy school. You know, you're surrounded by friends. You do activities with your with your peers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whatever, w- whatever may have you. You know, you're able to see your teacher face to face. I think is a big thing. Uh, they're not they're not able to experience that right now, and so I feel I feel sorry for them. Mm. Um, but they don't drive me insane, luckily. That's, that's um, which is good, which is a good thing. They don't drive Which is me amazing. Insane. Not just yeah. quite yet. Um, maybe a couple more months and they will. No, not really. Uh, <laughs> no, sibling love is great, um, particularly when you don't drive each other insane. It's pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome, man. Um, I wanted to ask you about any like interest because i know you're a reader um so i was wondering like i have you read any interesting books lately and how have those like changed an outlook of yours that you had before and stuff um well i think i mentioned you last time i'm reading 1984 um i'm almost mm-hmm. done reading but i'm still going my way through it um, yeah but i think that book <laughs> has probably changed my perspective on a lot of things i don't know yeah it's fiction, but at the same time, it's like, this is all too real. Yeah, <laughs> just, just, just a little bit. familiar. Yeah, yeah, just a little bit. Just a little bit. And so yeah. I think that's not changed my outlook on things, but sort of opened my eyes to more possibilities, mm-hmm. um, which I think it's always good to be aware. You know, I'm not going to yeah. accuse any the Andrews government of being tyrannical. Um, mm-hmm. I think they have good intentions. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, maybe it's good for us as a society to be aware of how these things have happened in the past um, mm-hmm. and not be ignorant to possibilities. You know, I'm not saying that they're this way or that way. Um, mm-hmm. I, I have no, I don't even, I don't even, I, I, I have no doubt in my mind that they have good intentions. But mm-hmm. it, it's the effect of those intentions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like you can have good intentions and still lead in such a way that is tyrannical. I'm not saying that that's him. I'm not saying anything. Mm-hmm. But you, you can have good intentions and still create this system um, that is that, that I guess with time we have learned to not to, to, to be a bad system like a bad way of governing. Yeah. Um, that, so, 
that good intentions sometimes have bad outcomes. Yeah, good intentions um, sometimes have bad outcomes. And that is especially true for government systems um, and the way countries are run. Um, yeah. And so I don't think that I'm accusing him of being a bad person. I have no doubt in my mind that he has the best intention at heart. But um, mm-hmm. even though the best intentions sometimes stumble um, and create bad outcomes, and I think it's good for society just to be aware and not, not be totally ignorant. Like, you know, I think... Questioning our government is important. Um, I agree. Totally. I don't think that we should just, I, I think that maybe especially in Australia, I, th- I think it happens mostly in Australia, like, because the U.S. is built on this idea where um, power is to the people, mm-hmm. um, you know, like they have the, the Second Amendment, um, mm-hmm. the right to bear arms, mm-hmm. um, which is obviously a physical way um, of defending your rights, um, mm-hmm. where the people have power to stand up against the government because they because the way that they were founded was was through an oppressive monarchy that was just mm-hmm. using their country for, um, for for money, essentially, um, for a place yeah. to live. Yeah. Same with Australia. I mean, Same the oppressive with, yeah. monarchy dumped its, like, off, um, off access. So when, when the British jails were overfilled, they dumped their criminals in Australia as an oppressive monarchy. But yeah, no, I agree with you of that America as a principle has the good idea of power to the people, not only in the second amendment of the right to bear arms, but also in the first of the freedom of freedom of speech. Um, Cause thoroughly adore freedom of speech because it's only by freedom of speech that we're able to do this podcast. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, regardless of whether or not you agree with what somebody says, you, I think it's still important to defend their right to that freedom of speech to yeah. be able to speak. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly right. Um, I think that, yeah, I don't know. I, I saw a story mm-hmm. earlier on last year, lockdown um, of someone um, posting a Facebook, like they were, they were planning a protest on Facebook mm-hmm. um, and then they got their house raided and all their devices confiscated mm-hmm. um, from them. And, like, I don't know, a right to protest, um, I think, is in, I think is important. Um, mm-hmm. I think that people should be able to protest, not violently. Like, as soon as violence, violence becomes a part of that protest, I think that, you know, authorities have every right to start stepping into that. Um, yeah, totally. But protesting, like peaceful protesting, even during lockdown. Look, I I would say that if I was if I was the government, um, mm-hmm. I, would, I would allow it. I mean, I'd, I'd allow. I would, albeit, I'd allow a lot of things, but that's just me. <laughs> no, I I'm with you with that. Um, if you agree with the proponents of like Western democracy that um, people have liberty, they have individual freedoms and they need to exercise those freedoms and that they people choose the government that to represent them. You need to allow protests to happen. Peaceful protests. Um, don't get me wrong. I don't think rioting or looting is okay. Um, but protests in the name of uh, freedom to the people as well as expressing they're like, hey, you are meant to represent me, you talking to the government, and you're not doing your job, and I am peacefully saying like, hey, do your job. I think that's really, really important. Mm-hmm. When I think I was talking to one of my friends um, and she was born in America and she current lives, currently lives here. When the second 
lots of protests that sparked off, I think on a Sunday, um, they, the government was like, Hey, we're going to stop public transport from going yeah. into the city. Cause we don't want any protests. And I was like, ah! mm-hmm. cause around the same time, America was having, they were gearing up for their protests. And what they did was that they barricaded Capitol Hill. They put protections across Capitol Hill, but they did not stop the protests happening. And I was like, I think the uh, state government needed to do that as well because the American example was saying like, hey, we don't want any violence here. We'll protect this, but you have every right to complain. You have every right to protest. It's a peaceful protest. You have that right. But here, what happened of like, no, we're going to put active barriers to stop you from protesting. I was like, fam, I don't think, I don't think that's actual democracy. I, I, I'm a bit suspicious about that. Yeah. So that's my opinion on that. And I also think it's funny how some protests in Australia were allowed last year, even during lockdown. Yeah. Some protests get are allowed and encouraged by the government, mm-hmm. um, even though we're in a time of COVID and lockdown. Um, I had totally forgotten about that. Like, and yeah. That, that got allowed last year. Um, yeah. And some people in government encouraged it as well, mm-hmm. um, that they weren't going to step in, and nobody did step in. Mm-hmm. Um, despite there being active cases that grew from that same protest, that, that was allowed. Um, yeah. But this protest, this time around during lockdown, seems that the government's a lot more, because they disagree, um, I think that there's a lot more, you know, there's been a lot more authority um, issues. Yeah, I totally forgot um, about the BLM protests last year. That's, I mean, that's terrible of me to forget about the BLM protests last year. (laughs) Um, But, like, yeah, I totally totally forgot that was a thing that's very interesting like my mind is just blown that i'd forgotten yeah. that that 2020 was that yeah the 2020 was a thing but a lot happened in 2020 to be oh, fair wow. yeah like just insane um and a lot happened in 2021 as well like mm-hmm. melbourne had an earthquake yeah <laughs> that was crazy. like i because I was there for the uh, Valentine's Day earthquake when I was in Christchurch. And um, I was at uni when the Melbourne earthquake happened. And I was like, what? Like, am I having a stroke? Like, has my iron deficiency decided to manifest right now? And I was like, oh. But, yeah, that was really strange. Where were you when? I was in bed. (laughs) I was, you know, I was... Like waking up, I woke up. I woke up just in time for the earthquake. Um, oh wow! Yeah, I, I woke. The, the earthquake didn't wake me up. I woke up and I see my room trembling, and I'm like, "What's going on right now?" Oh my um, goodness! And I'm like, "Jesus, is this you?" No. <laughs> um, I didn't hear any trumpet sounds, and I was thoroughly confused. I'm like, "What's going on right now?" So right before the earthquake hit, I I went to the bathroom. So all of this was happening, like, when I was in the bathroom, right? And then one of my um, colleagues was also in the other stall, and she was like, is this an earthquake? And I'm like, this is definitely an earthquake. So we all got out, washed our hands, and we went back to class. Mm -hmm. And there was no one in class. And my first thought was like, they've been raptured. (laughs) 
And I was like, well, I'm one of the left behinds. <laughs> Just like... That is so funny. That is so good. <laughs> and we're like rushing down the stairs and like our facilitator, like we meet our facilitator at the door and she's got like her face is like terrified and she's like, I was looking for you guys. And I was like, it's okay. We're here. But yeah, um, I had a moment where I was like, wow, Jesus, <laughs> like. I am the left behind. (laughs) (laughs) Oh oh man. Funny, like how to read revelations badly. (laughs) Oh, bless. Um, so we've come to the like semi end of the podcast. Thank you so much, Noah. Um, it's now your turn to ask me questions. Um, if you have one or two, a lot of people have been asking two questions. So, you can have two. Well, um, I'll, I'll repeat a question that I think I asked last time because I think it's a good mm. question. Um, mm. question is, why did you decide to start this podcast? And how has this podcast developed? Because I noticed that originally there were uh, set questions. Yeah. Maybe yeah. I think one of the first people to get interviewed, but obviously the podcast didn't get released because we had issues. Yeah. Um, yeah. But how has this podcast developed and why was this podcast created? I think. Um, so I'll answer the first question of why was it why it was created in the first place i had so obviously like as the listeners know by now like we're both in melbourne we're both in lockdown and um i i started noticing that there was a lot of despair that was in the air that is around melbourne and there was a lot of anger there's so much anger and there's so much pain and i was like man i physically can't fix this at all but what i can do is create a space that people can come in and listen to other people's stories and gain courage and gain hope and even a distraction from what's going on because i think that people are changed by the stories they listen to and that the stories that they choose to um, listen to, the stories that they choose to learn from, and even the stories that they choose to shake off. And the quote-unquote secret is learning to be like, hey, which stories do I listen to? Which stories do I shake off? And which stories do I actually learn from? And I've kind of like run this podcast in a way of like, Hey, I'm offering these people like a wide variety uh, of like people to listen to. And it's up to them to learn like, Hey, like how do I listen? Well, how do I learn from the story? And how do I shake off a story that I'm like, ugh, I don't want anything to do with this. And the way that it's developed is that um, I have changed in like the three weeks that I've done this podcast in the sense of I've grown more confident in myself and in being like, Hey, I actually have a voice and I can, um, speak per se, because there was a lot of insecurity inside of me, um, of like, Hey, well, you don't deserve to have this platform or like, like this inner critic that's like, Hey, Wilma, you don't deserve to be here. Your voice sucks. You know, just, just stop doing this. Like nobody wants to hear you. Um, nobody wants to be around you type of vibe. And I, I was like, I'm just going to do it anyway. Um, I'm just going to show up anyway, even though I'm petrified and I'm really insecure and I'm really scared about it. And the way that it occurred is that I did have set questions of like people to, um, what's the word? I had set questions that I gave people so that they could preemptively know what to talk about. And what's happened is that those questions form like a border Mm -hmm. of like, Hey, this is what we're going to talk about. And the freestyle questions that 
now this podcast is like is inside that border. So if people know like, yeah, we're going to talk about stories and this is how it's going to fit. They're like, okay, we're still in that realm, but it's now more comfortable. It's now less rigid and more like, oh, it's the conversation between two friends Mm -hmm. rather than an interview and an interviewee. So that's kind of what I've grown more in like three weeks. And I'm super excited to like Mm -hmm. three weeks from now to see what, what will happen. Um, But that's, that's really it. Um, But yeah, thank you so much, Noah. It was such a great conversation and this one will definitely upload. (laughs) (laughs) In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hello, beautiful one. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I appreciate you and your choice to listen to this podcast. If you could Please continue to support me by following me on my Instagram account of A Good Story Starts With. Or if you want to listen to more of my poetry, it's at Wilma the Wordsmith. I'll see you next week with the latest podcast at A Good Story Starts With.